0: Hello and welcome to CultPix Radio, WCPX, coming to you from all directions, with me, your host, Django Nudo.
1: And me, it's the smut Peddler.
0: And this week we have a very special theme and a very, very special guest who's going to take us through one of our favorite countries and one of our favorite recent theme weeks. Um of a truly historic significance from a European perspective and from a global perspective in fact when it comes to cult films and cult history none other than uh the great film expert and author and man of many talents Brian Iskov welcome to Cultpix Radio Brian well thank you for that introduction so, this is just a little sample of, of your many talents, but we'd love for you to tell the listeners a little bit more about your background, which, before we get on to the subject of this uh, week's session, which is, of course, the bedside films and Anneliese Meinik as well as Danish Sin in general, but uh, the book that you have written about, which we want to talk about in length. But first of all, tell us a little bit about The Life of Brian.
2: Yes, well, life of Brian. Um, I've been a freelance uh, film journalist for about 22 years now. I've, I've studied film and media in here in, in Copenhagen, Denmark. And um, I've written a few books, but I believe this one is the first one of any sort of interest to... Uh, to foreign readers. Unfortunately, it's it's only in Danish so far, but it we might publish it in, in Swedish at some point. We're we we so. working on that. Yes. Yeah.
0: And you're really a prolific author. I mean, you've um, written articles, and your knowledge of films in general is Prodigious. I, I also read that you are the head of the um, Danish uh, James Bond um, Society and more. So uh, you've really come to this um, subject that we're going to touch upon with, with a wealth of knowledge and background. Oh Well, thank you. I, I wouldn't say well, I'm, I'm the head
2: <laughs> expert in, in, in all matters of James Bond, but I'm, I'm certainly... I have some areas of interest that I delve deeper into than others, and well, one of them is, has been James Bond, and mm. um, um, I've written about animation as well. And I, I tend to gravitate towards the uh, the uh, hidden corners of, especially Danish modern cultural history and and, and film history, the, the the subjects that people don't often talk about, like the the. Uh, Advent calendar in Danish television for example is another one of my subjects which mm. was a Swedish idea originally but we we stole it from you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but we definitely want to explore the the parallels and the overlaps and the contrasts as well between um the sort of Danish sin and Swedish sin as highlighted by this book and by the film. So so your book um Denmark on the bedside uh came out uh, that was that was last year 2021. And, um it can I say first of all it is a beautiful book it's hard to um, do it justice on a um, audio medium like this but it is you know the the kind of um, coffee table book um, combined with sort of deep um scholarly knowledge on Senate without trying to make it sound too dry because it is a very fun subject and it's presented in a great way it's I think um almost 300 pages with over 150 photos to it. Um, it's just such a rich... I mean, it is the definitive um, book, I'd say, on, on the subject of uh, this series of films. So I, I really can't recommend it strongly enough.
2: Well, thank you. I, it puzzled me that no one else had written a book like this before. So when the uh, the 50th anniversary for the Danish legalization of, of porn came about in 2019 i, I had I realized i had i have to write this myself because no it one else was, is doing it
0: it was a book um, that was demanding to be written but but yeah, even I've, so I've, you could have got away with something much much inferior given the fact that it's um hasn't been covered but it really is the amount the picture source material is i don't know how um you got to all that it must have been an incredible task of assembling all of that but it, well, some, of,
2: some of it is the Danish Film Museum. Uh, they have, uh, uh, well, the Danish Film Institute. They have a pretty good collection of, of stills and materials from the bedside films, and uh, some private collectors uh, also lent me uh, uh, some rare images from their mm. own uh, materials. So, but it was it was quite a, a treasure hunt. And wasn't wasn't
1: that our first? Wasn't that our first contact that you were? You uh, you were looking for Swedish posters for for some of the films.
2: Yes, I believe you're right. A
1: couple of years ago, yeah.
2: Yeah, but I had the idea for the book for at least ten years, and then I, yeah, as time went by, I I realized I have to have to make a deep dive myself, and we we didn't um, we didn't uh, manage to get it out in time for the anniversary. For several reasons, but uh, it's 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 here now, and we we wanted to make it a very tasteful book, uh, even with a subject that is often frowned upon. It's uh, well, the Danish bedside series and the Danish Zodiac series as well, which were uh, they were built as erotic comedies or erotic folk comedies in the seventies here in Denmark. Especially the this, this well, both of the series they were like made by competing uh, film companies here in Denmark, yes. and um, both of them were quite large um, box office hits uh, here in Denmark as well as in a lot of other other countries, which is kind of unique for for Danish film. We don't usually we didn't export a lot of our. Uh, feature film production in, in in those days, but these were like huge uh, box office hits in around the world. But mm-hmm. but people have they don't really want to talk about them as much. They, it's, it's it's not. Um, yeah, they have a, a quite a, a bad reputation in in scholarly circles. The 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 studio that made the Bedside. Uh, series called, uh, they were called Palladium, a very old and renowned Danish production company from the it dates back to the to the silent era, actually. We, they had uh, international success with uh, a Danish comedy duo called Fy Fu B, which they are, some, some countries have translated it to tall and short, others like, uh, call them Pat and Patashong, but they were on a, on a par with Laurel and Hardy, apparently, in the twenties. If we go, if we go back a few years before the the uh, the bedside series and, and the Annalisa Meineke films. Uh, Palladium had a surprise hit, like a, a sleeper uh, in 1962 called Crazy Paradise, hmm. which was actually a, um, a director who was later Academy Award winner for Babette's Feast, oh, yeah. Gabriel Axel. He adapted a, a novel. Uh, co- well, It was called Crazy Paradise, and he got away with, in 1962 disrobing a lot of his uh, actresses in this film which was quite unheard of or unseen rather at, at the time it caused quite a stir.
0: And uh,
2: Palladium uh, realized that this film Crazy Paradise was there, it became their biggest box office hit since the 30s. And uh, they could sell it uh, to other countries because of the nudity, which mm. we were... Well, you, in Sweden, you had um, um, kind of paved the way for that with, uh, uh, it ha- what was it called? It Happened One Summer Night, or... Yes, know, yes the Summer with Monika. Yeah, yeah, and the Arne Madsen film yeah. as well. Um but uh, they, uh, they kind of hit gold with, with this film, and th- they um, w- uh, exploited that um, in, the, uh, in in uh, both the uh, 60, '60s and the '70s, uh, where they uh, made a lot of money by mm. revisiting that formula uh, with uh, it's a young. Uh, a young Danish man who's kind of awkward and he, he doesn't have a grip on like he's embarrassed in front of, of girls. And and eventually they, they teach him how to uh, be uh, uh, more uh, liberated and and free in his sexuality. That's basically the plot line of a lot of these films. Mm. And uh, then they've, Palladium followed up Crazy Paradise uh, 3 years later with a film called Sawyer 17, Uh, which was based on a semi-autobiographical novel by an an author called Sawyer. that he was, he was his name his real name was carl eric martin so Jensen, i believe but he was just called Sawyer. and he really enjoyed uh, poking fun at uh, and and and, uh, and exposing the double standards of the establishment at the time and he especially was quite detailed in his descriptions of erotic situations or sexuality uh, when he wrote seven, so his, his novel Seventeen in, in the middle of in the mid fifties, uh, it was also a, a, people were quite outraged. But he was a respected author, so by the uh, when when this when the, this film adaptation came
0: along, he people weren't really that outraged anymore. And how was it that Annalisa Meineck, uh Because we were um, thrilled and astonished that a, a female director you know, that long ago, was uh, responsible for this um, very, you know, brisque and, and open film when it comes to sexuality. And, and, of course, she went on to do several more films, although she didn't obviously do the, the Bedside or the Zodiac films. So what's her story and how, how is she uh, part of this Danish um, on-screen sexual revolution?
2: Yeah, she's quite of an odd choice because she had never made a feature film before Seventeen. Mm-hmm uh she was uh, 29 years old uh she had made some theater in in Jutland uh in the province in the provinces of Denmark and she had been an assistant on uh, the film Harry and the Butler which was oscar nominated in i believe 62 or thereabouts uh but she had only made a few uh, uh, like short films and and commercials um the people i spoke to who worked on 17 uh, said that uh, it was the uh, production manager on Palladium, John Hilbard, who sort of uh, discovered Meineken and, and and thought she would be ideal for for this task of adapting Sawyer's memoirs to the screen. Uh, she was uh, she's she's not alive anymore, but she she people said she was quite uh, like a, a short, sweet lady. She was uh, a lesbian as well. I don't know if that's uh, even relevant, but but uh, I think they might have uh, chosen a, a woman to direct this material because it would um, maybe uh, alleviate some of the criticisms. You couldn't uh, accuse the filmmakers of exploiting the male gaze oh. w- if it was a woman at the helm. That's my theory, at least. Uh, but she didn't know anything about filmmaking, so uh, apparently the... Uh, the director of photography and the production manager kind of carried her through mm. the productions of of seventeen but but she's she's quite um yeah, it's, it's her story is kind of peculiar because she she'd made seven feature films in six years for Palladium and then she never made a, a movie again no. it's a quite a, a very short burst of of uh, productivity and and three of these films were enormous box office uh, hits
0: yes and we're fortunate to have all three of them on cult picks and of yeah. course um, they introduced also Ulla Söltoft but what fascinates me is that she didn't pursue the genre as such and obviously um Eric Soya Sutton was a historical film set in the time around the first world war but then she then tried to I understand as she tried to do an opera film, which wasn't a great success. So she went back to the things that were selling in Uten and Trevel without a stitch in '68, which is very incredibly modern and, and forward looking. Unlike uh, so, there's no pretense of uh, any kind of literary f- f- uh, finesse on it. It's, um, you know, an unashamedly uh, modern film about a, a modern woman who. Just enjoys life and enjoys sexuality um, uh, across Europe
3: yeah, that was um ahead of its time. you could say it, it's it, without a stitch was. Uh,
2: it's a very rushed production. Uh, Palladium bought the rights to uh, the the Norwegian author Jens Bjørnabø's novel in uh, February of '68. It was uh, a, 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 the book had been um, ruled um, unseemly in uh, the in in the, uh, <laughs> in, the, in the in the in the Norwegian courts in Oslo. Uh, so of course it was. Uh, a Danish publisher who who issued a lot of these uh, racy books. He of mm. course sold a, a bucket loads of it in Denmark. It's a great way used, to market it. Banned in Norway. Yeah, yeah excellent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that never fails. Um, but then they they released the the film adaptation in September '68. So it's less it's half wow. a year or something like that. Um but but this was yeah it's it's basically the um, the sexual awakening of a a young girl who thinks she's frigid and uh, a a a male doctor uh shows her that she isn't and then she indulges in all sorts of escapades which are not as explicit as the book but f- very explicit for its time it was it was released Six months before the Danish um, Parliament uh, allowed pornography uh, in in, uh, uh, pornographic pictures and and, and movies, so uh, Annalise Meininger went as far as she could in in without a stitch, and and she had a very willing uh, lead actress who had had never made a film before, Anna Greta Nissen, who uh, when when the when the film was uh, sold to to the states. Mm. Uh, it, it, where it actually it was on the top fifty in box office uh, in, in the United States for quite a while, they uh, they um, um, promoted her as uh, Anna Grade rhymes with
0: great. Yes, and she uh, she is the kind of picture of the the stereotype of the blonde, um, yeah, tall blonde, beauty,
2: uh, tall blonde, healthy looking, yeah, uh, with, with a kind of a sweetness to her as well. Well, they filmed in uh, in stores in, in Switzerland in Germany, and Germany and and in France, where when the the uh, student revolution was happening just around the corner from from their location. So it mm. was it c- was quite an exciting adventure. But when she saw the finished film and uh, and heard people's responses to it, it it was less less than, less than amusing. Right. Uh,
0: people were really shocked. Yeah. Uh, by the time of release. So she didn't work with uh, Ann Lisa again, but anne was reunited with Ole um, Siltoft in The Song of the Red Ruby in 1970, the same year that, of course, the first Bedside film was made.
3: Oh, thank God, son...
2: Yeah, this was another Norwegian scandalous novel that was had been banned in Norway, but uh, I believe the High Court of Norway repealed uh, the, 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 this decision and, and allowed the book to be uh, freely distributed. It was written by Agnar Mykle. Uh, which is, it's basically the same story. Well, a young student played by the not so young Olaf Soetef. He was,
3: <laughs> I believe, he was
2: 28 when he played the the lead in the in Song of the Red Ruby. But he was already beginning to get typecast as this bumbling young man who who has to learn about the birds and the bees, which <laughs> kind of became his. His destiny when he eventually went on to be the lead in the bedside series yeah the bedside series made him a star but he he discovered when when the when this wave of danish erotic cinema was over in the late 70s there wasn't really any uh, he didn't get any film offers anymore Mm. so he was kind of forgotten uh, or neglected you might say his career kind of he went back to doing a light theater in the 80s but but yeah he's a very ordinary looking guy and that but that's maybe maybe that was a huge part of the appeal like everyone could identify with this very normal looking guy he's, he's quite short and a bit chubby mm. uh but but uh, has some kind of uh, again this guileless charm about him. At least in the early films, he tended to overact quite wildly. In the later, bed uh, bedside and and zodiac films.
3: Nej, jeg mærker, ser kommer stedsker. De er allerede i gang derinde. Aa, der kommer du ikke tidligt hjem i aften for en gang skyld, så vi rigtig kan hygge os. Uh, jo, men jeg troede du skulle til finere madlavnings. Ja, piker. Kan man det? Ja, du sagde, går du sammen mig? I'm just gonna
2: continue.s
3: a piece of your yeah, yeah
2: the thing about these bedside and films and particularly the Sodex series uh, is also, also what what younger people who weren't around back then they what they find astonishing is that all of these sex comedies were cast with quite famous Danish actors from film and theater who also have Carl Stecker, Arthur Jensen, people from the the Olsen gang a series um, all respected uh, f- uh, names from the, from the Royal theater uh, s- participated in these films. It's, I guess it's like, if you imagine, yeah, it's hard to find a, like a parallel, but maybe the, the carry on films, if they had more uh, explicit sex and, 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 and John Gilgood, popped up and, 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 and John Gilgut. Yeah. Or something <laughs> like that.
0: So was that a Danish Thing about just being more relaxed about it, or was it a pragmatism—the fact that you know they got reasonable pay for this and that allowed them to do other less uh, commercial, more artsy things? Or um, how do you how do you explain that? Yeah, I've I've heard a few theories about it from people who who were there at the time,
2: and um, some say that uh, some of the older male actors they had a ball doing these films they were like surrounded <laughs> by scantily clad young females and they were like they were having the time of their lives um uh, coming home through the wives at night and, and yeah, it's more fun than Shakespeare you, guess what I <laughs> guess what I did today at work uh, uh, but also it's it's also a, a, like you say it's a question of pragmatism there weren't that many jobs for a, a working actor in Denmark in the 70s. We had quite a uh, 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 big uh, unemployment rates. And, and most of the other films that were made at this time were, let's say, um, of middling quality and ambitions. Um, so it was also just like a way to make money. Of course, Ole Sultot became quite wealthy as the star of the bedside films uh I, I know that because we, we found the um the papers the uh, the contracts in in from palladium at, at oh. the danish film institute they have uh the, they have all the the paperwork from the bedside series which was quite interesting
0: mm. so how did the bedside films uh go from being the first hit the um uh Bedroom Azurka, uh, to becoming this series of, of eight films that, um, you know, changed um, over time. Was it um, just one after the other was the vision that um, there could be uh, potential for all of this? I mean, obviously, they had common denominators, especially John uh, Hilbard through them. But what was, um, how, how did just this whole thing come about? well it was the uh, combination of of Sawyer's name
2: and uh, well the nudity uh, mostly female but also male you you do see all the sorts of behind in in 17 um they just uh, realized that there was a lot of money to be made on 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 this special mixture in both uh, in Denmark and abroad and well it became like a, cho- a tourist attraction as well mm-hmm. they they were released in during the summer holidays because then uh, and, and uh, some of the uh, some of the theaters in Copenhagen showed the films with uh, English subtitles oh. uh, I know this was the case with without a stitch at least mm. um, and and when they they were made like it was more or less a conveyor belt type of filmmaking they mm. put out at least one bedside film a year some years they had two of them released in the same year and all John Hilpa directed all eight of them from s- 1970 to 1976 uh, but the f- when you watch them today there's it's it's quite a, a revealing um a pro- uh, I don't know if progress is the right word, but development throughout the series was we'll started out with bedside masurka, which is a really sweet film. Actually, mm. it's it's a, a, quite an accomplished folk comedy, as we call them in Denmark, and it's uh, it's, it's, it's 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 very mild uh, when seen today. But but gradually, uh, Palladium had to. Uh, crank up the uh, the erotic content because of the competition from uh, one from the Zodiac films, which uh, was a series that started in 73 and uh, went on until 78 with six films, which more or less had the same actors as the bedside films, but they also had hardcore pornography inserted into them mm. from the get-go. They were, well, the bedside films were softcore, uh, Zodiac were definitely hardcore films, and also, you had competition from what Germany, uh, allowed to pornography, and f- later France, and and the, the, there was an influx of of foreign porn movies that more or less saturated the market. And Pelagium, eventually, this old um, esteemed film company, they ended up putting hardcore pornographic scenes into the Bedside series as well. The last three films have actual, unsimulated sex in them. Mm -hmm. And the very last one, um, which I believe is called Bedside Sailors, Mm -hmm. they made two versions of that, Uh, 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 the the sort of soft family version. This will is called family porn, believe it or not. (laughs) The whole it family it was a different time yeah <laughs> yeah well well people went well they they ran in ordinary theaters yeah. like just like every other movie and 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 uh, they weren't uh, relegated to like the more sleazy theaters in the in the red light districts or anything they were with well proper st- proper star actors and and then like just with an extra sprinkle of of, of sex in them but but uh, the the last one bedside sailors w- john Hilbert was forced to make what he t- uh, termed a hubba hubba version for the uh, international market <laughs> which primarily i think he meant the forty second street in in new yeah. york uh we f- i found that version on a swedish uh retail v h s uh oh, through man. another collector and it's a and t- it's a well, some of the same scenes are there, but it's it's edited. It, it's it's almost a different movie. Oh. It's it's a, like it's a porn movie with the comedy uh, sequences more than the other way around. But it's it's quite weird that that was the last thing that Palladium ever made in their illustrious history.
0: Damn! But it is fascinating to watch the evolution of the films, and as you said, the the kind of behind the camera scenes arms rates that was going on in terms of. Um, you know what? Could, what you could get up on on screen, get up to on screen, and how they had to respond to that, and how that I'm, I'm sure it, it must have maybe not made them uncomfortable, but they probably felt the pressure to stay with the times and stay ahead of the competition.
2: Yeah, exactly. I know some of the actors were not happy about this uh, development. They there's um, particularly a a theatre actress called Annie Birgit Gade who was. Mm. She's in all of the bedside films and she also did a, f- some f- f- a few films in Sweden. Yeah. She flat out refused to have anything to do with the Zodiac films. Mm. And even today, she's still among us. She will not t- talk about the bedside films because it pains her that they are uh, people have often uh, confused the two series and she will not tolerate that people think she had has done porn films. Nope. She's done a lot of respectable theater work, and she would rather be remembered for that. Just to uh, tie, uh, uh, um, and, and tie it back to Without a Stitch, it was more or less the uh, the final straw that that uh, eradicated uh, the film censorship in Denmark because mm. they, they tried to... It um, was originally, uh, well... R-rated, I guess, would be the the closest yes equivalent, but but they made a few uh, cuts and then it's it could be shown widely in Denmark and and the the reviewers at the time thought well that's it for Danish censorship and they were right. It's Like eight months later, uh, it was all allowed. It, it's 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 also a, a weird um, ironic um, tw- yeah. Uh, detail that, that it was a conservative minister of justice, Knut Testrup, that actually mm. uh, <coughs> deleted these two sub-paragraphs in the Penal, Danish Penal Code uh, regarding uh, the depiction of pornography because two years before the, we had allowed uh, text pornography mm. and he was of the um, as he, he assumed that if it was freely distributed then people would soon lose interest in porn. their curiosity would be <laughs> sated, and maybe the porn that was made would uh, be of better quality. of course, now we know he was dead wrong on both optimistic no. yeah, well, Denmark was like we were steeped in there was porn everywhere, yeah. you couldn't literally not open a, a daily newspaper or a weekly magazine without tits in your face uh, and it, it's we it also made us quite um, Maybe famous, maybe infamous in all, in all of the world, which was part of why these bedside films were so export friendly, because they they corroborated the myth of the well, the Scandinavian and and the Danish uh, free spirit
0: as well. It's it was a fascinating time, and I want to pick um, smut peddler's brains on the parallels and contrast, because there was so much filmic and legal cross pollination between Denmark and Sweden at the time, but. One of our future guests going to be Professor Adrian Smith, who's written extensively on uh, the censorship and the language of love films in the UK. And last month, it was the fiftieth anniversary of the publication of the Longford Report on pornography by Lord Longford. Who, when I was researching, and found out that he went on a fact finding mission to Copenhagen. So. Yes, he did. And wanted to learn firsthand about, obviously, what all this um, was um, doing and, and shaping. So, um, that's amazing, international attention, that you have British lords flying in to fact-find pornography in Denmark firsthand. Yes,
2: and he was, of course, suitably appalled by what he found <laughs> here.
1: Nothing is like firsthand knowledge, of course. But it's re- <laughs> that, it's really true how, how the parallels were, were going between Sweden and Denmark. And I mean, now we, we recently did a, a big season of, of German smut from the late 60s, early 70s, and was also very much in parallel with, in terms of, of the, the sex comedies, for instance, but also the white coaters, the sex education films. Um, but I think there's, there, and also in Sweden, I think the, the law about pornography, that was abolished in 1971. So we were always a bit slower than the Danes but it's still what they talked about then and still talk about internationally is the Swedish sin but I think that Denmark were both earlier and made more films so I I wonder why why the word Sweden and Swedish stock instead of Denmark
2: yeah well I I I found out that the crazy paradise from 62 was actually marketed as a Swedish sensational (laughs) film in, in when it was shown in Germany so well, it's all just all of Scandinavia is yeah. just one country to to most most foreigners. And beside Masurka was also uh, has the, the word Swedish in the title in Italy. So
1: no, I was I was saying speaking of the similarities between Sweden and Denmark at the time and how how the the tracks were going parallel. I think there's one major uh, difference. Uh, And that's around the the student revolution, as you were talking about. And that's when the Swedish Film School and the Swedish Film Institute, who had been started a couple of years earlier, went all left-wing. And we should let our workers make the films about their (laughs) everyday life in the factory and the mine. Let's throw out the old directors like Uh. Arne Ragnarborn and Arne Mattsson, the big guys, and uh, just start over again, like this documentary, handheld camera style. Whereas in Denmark, you still went on with the same actors and directors doing the, the folk comedies, the, the people's comedies.
0: Also abandoned. And,
1: yeah. and hence, the, the tradition went on in Denmark in, in a very much different way than in Sweden, where the people who actually knew how to technically make a film were basically thrown out with the bathwater.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, it was kind of the old guard who who worked on the on the bedside films as well with with a few exceptions in the technical departments. We have the uh, now very well-established uh, Hollywood director Mikhail Salomon. He was the DOP on two of the bedside films and on the on the documentary Why Do They Do It? Um and, and, and Jan Weinkid, another young photographer who who uh, who started on some of these films, but, but palladium was, it was, um, well, the, the editor on palladium was a, a very old Catholic woman who refused to look at the, uh, moviola, whenever, <laughs> whenever the, the sexy scenes were, where she had to, to work on them. She, she either shut off the, the, the light bulb in the, in the mm. cutting editing machine, or she looked away very, uh, uh yeah, that was proper Catholic. Yeah. Yeah, but some some of the older uh, people at Palladium were quite shocked about this turn of events. But the the young ones did just yeah, sure, let's 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 go to work and make some money yeah. and do well, the best we can.
0: It's easy to remember. I mean, we're fifty years away from you know the the peak of those films. But at the time they were made, they were made just twenty five years after the end of the war. It was a very different generation, and I think it's hard for us to. Uh, put us in the mindset of, of um just how revolutionary or different or, or shocking they may have been to uh contemporary society because we've we've moved on so much since so
2: yeah it was it's must have been like a bomb going off. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm, I, I I was born in the six in the seventies as well, so I, I didn't experience the Bedside and Zodiac films only on, on, on home video later in the eighties
1: you must have met with some of the of the people in front of and behind the camera are there any like anecdote or any specific person you'd like to highlight
2: uh, well uh, it's as you say it's, it's more than 50 years ago now so a lot of them are no longer with us mm. and those who are a uh, lot of them were quite hesitant to 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 speak to speak to me about them because really? they especially the women yeah. Would just like to forget this ever happened. Mm. Um, the 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 men not not they were like more relaxed about it, of, most, mostly because they. The women, um, they still get like, lewd looks on the street if there's just been a, a Zodiac or Bedside film shown on Danish television, mm. and and it, like fifty years later in the seventies, and eighties now, and and. Once you go nude on the big screen, people will never forget that it happened. It's kind of the refrain that I I got from a lot of these people. Uh, I think about a third of all the people I wrote to, they never replied. And another third said, like, no thanks and explained why they wouldn't want to be associated with it. And uh, and, uh, the rest, they fortunately came through and and spoke quite candidly about their experiences, um, which was uh, a, l- a lot of fun. But also, it there's some sad aspects to the story as well. Uh, uh, for example, with Ola Soltoft and and the his uh, the co male the male co lead Søren Stromberg, they both more or less went to the dogs after these after these uh, after their film careers. Kind of stranded in the late seventies, um, so there's some Persian, some some personal uh, tragedies as well, mm. mixed with this uh, frothy uh, look into a, a, a very unique genre. But uh, I've, I've just one th- uh, comparison between the Swedish sin and 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 the Danish sin, which uh, people also um, uh, noticed was that. You had Ingmar Bergman, who always treated sexuality as something uh, dark and and, and brooding and and problematic and guilty. You should be. Yes, a lot of angst and guilt. (laughs) Whereas the bedsides were actually uh, groundbreaking in that they portrayed sex and sexuality as a normal, fun part of everyday life. Yeah. And that was actually. revolutionary uh, yeah you could say that so, but that's also way.
1: true for the for the Swedish sexploitation films because they were not comedies most of them were about social problems it could be about uh nymphomania or it could be like a, a young girl being abused and used by older men they were not that funny they were quite dark most of them, and, and just a very few examples of more, the more comedic style, like the naughty vicar, for instance.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah, with with, with an accredited uh, Nissen again from without a stage mm. season. And, and also Dirk Passer,
1: actually, one of your biggest stars. Yes. In a small. Yeah, he
2: pops up for a few minutes yeah. <laughs> in a
0: completely nonsensical Absolutely. scene. So can I ask, when the book came out in Denmark, what was the reception, and what is the kind of take on both um, the Bedside and the Zodiac films? And today you say that they, they get screened sometimes on Danish television, but how do people yeah. view them now? Well, they've, they're...
2: I wouldn't say they're cult items because a lot of Danes bought them on DVD. When they were released uh, first on VHS and then on DVD, and now they are not available uh, available for streaming at at the time uh, of speaking. But uh, that might be because of the content of the films that the uh, the rights owners in Denmark are reluctant to put them onto their streaming services. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're happy that you uh, on Colpix have uh, grabbed onto them. Uh, but uh, I think mostly people were kind of taken aback by the fact that there's so much to to say about these films that people usually just uh, brush off with, oh, those, re- those silly porn comedies, what was that all about? There's a lot to, to discuss, actually, if you delve beneath the surface. I've heard from people who read it and people who appear in it as well, some of the interviewees, uh, are, are quite happy uh, with the with the results. I f- think it's a, a fair assessment of mm. of these uh, v- sometimes very uh, denigrated films, yeah. which, which are w- which w- but they are w- no matter what your opinion about it, of the is, They they are a, a, a quite a big chapter of, of Danish film history that was.
0: If not really uh um acknowledge and appreciate it yeah exactly yeah and having you having spent all this time and immersed yourself in in the world of the the bedside and the zodiac um, are there any first of all do you have any personal favorites amongst the films and what is the 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 deeper kind of thing that you took away from uh these underappreciated films and the kind of era and time and and very particular um slice of of cinema history that they now represent
2: uh yeah i i usually go for a bitside masurka if people ask me which one should they look at because it's it's the it's the it's the it's the one that's big that kind of set the ball rolling Fairly tame to by today's standards, so it's it's not gonna shock anyone. But it's it's also quite a, a fun and amusing uh, uh, f- comedy with with some p- pretty good performances as well. The performances get progressively worse when you get <laughs> through the series because the material gets thinner and thinner. But this one is actually quite well made and and, and entertaining. It's not as out there as some of the Zodiac films. What um, us- usually people in Denmark remember in the sign of the, um, in the sign of the ox, yeah. because um, one of the models who has uh, a lesbian scene in the film later became a very well-known TV uh, personality and uh, politician and author of books in Denmark, Susanne who So they always, if you say Zodiac films, they say, ah, wasn't that the one with Susanne Bjerghoos? Uh, so that's what they remember. But that, that one is um, the producer on a says that's Of the six Zodiac films he made, that's the one he was most satisfied, satisfied with. It actually has some kind of semblance of a, a storyline and, and some production value to it as well. The thing about the freedom, or the free sin as we call it in Denmark, we don't really have a proper English word for it, but it's it's a it's a yeah what we say a liberation of of, of sexual mores, I guess. We we've always prided ourselves in Denmark of being a land of uh, of a liberated country as far as, as sex goes and, and nudity and lewd behavior, but. Um, became clear to me while while writing this book and researching it and speaking to the people involved that the whole myth of of free sin of the free sexual spirit is more or less uh, driven by the mass by the mass media in the 70s in denmark it's not really anything that the general public uh, has any relation to uh, other than going to the cinema and seeing a bedside film or a zodiac film that's mm. their part of the sexual revolution <laughs> it was a very small percentage of say hippies and free thinkers that were actually living the free life in the 70s uh, most of the time it was just a way to sell more newspapers and magazines with putting a, a nude young girl on the on the cover and and also the, it's there was there was definitely a limit to the Danish free spirit because um, some of these actors and actresses they were ostracized in one form or another after these films they were oh, oh you were in those films and we can't use you for like a, a serious film or a, like a a proper part in a in a in a production so there was uh, some typecasting going on as well
1: When did the whole series of films end? Was it because of the international competition?
2: Yeah more or less uh, also some people say that pe- people in the danish people just had 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 enough of getting porn uh, like plastered all over the the cityscapes and the and the media there, there was a at like a in in the in this in the late 70s the, the last sodic film was from 78 and that is the only one that did it barely made it barely broke even mm. no. It was not a big success. It was just people were not interested anymore.
0: It's a joyous look back at these films and this time. And um, the book is a great way to help deepen the appreciation. So hopefully we can get it published in Swedish. Who knows, maybe in English too. But in the meantime, we'll put a link in the notes for the podcast to the book for people who want to get their hands on it. Denmark on the Bedside by Brian Iskov. Uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you here on ColdPix Radio. Yeah, well,
2: thank you for having me on ColdPix Radio. It was, uh, it was a joy. <laughs>